0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Such a joy to worship with you here at Graceland Church. Stephen, could you grab that for me when you get a second? Thank you. We welcome you here. Isn't it a joy just to worship God and trust him for what's going on in our life? Anybody with me? I believe that, I, I believe That God is really stirring us to lean into being a house of prayer. I know that's our future as a church. It's what he's called us to be. And so we're just going to keep leaning into it every Sunday. Um, I'm still going to preach. We're going to go through our series, but we're just going to trust him uh, to show up and do what only he can do. I remember when I was first dating my wife, uh, especially then when we first got married and we combined both of our massive resources. You know what I'm talking about? In those young years, I'm kidding, we combined our debt and we were dirt poor. Anybody with me? I mean, you guys remember those days? Like, I mean, like we, like, it it just was not an awesome picture. Don't get me wrong, we were taken care of, we had shelter, we had food, we were okay. But we did not have a lot, and we fell immediately into important financial decisions. Um, We had to take care of things in the home, you know, it's that that part of life when just a problem with your engine can like really wreck your whole year because you have no idea how to take care of it financially. You're just struggling to figure it out. And God began to teach us about a principle from his scripture, an invitation, a command really that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter six. And the context of what he's talking about is worry. Uh, Jesus is talking about anxiety and how to deal with it. He's talking about clothing and shelter and food and how to have it. And when we don't have the money that we feel like we need or maybe the cushion that we feel like we need it's those things that can give us great anxiety and let's talk honestly sometimes it's not just shelter it's the fact that we paid so much for the shelter and now we need to keep paying for it anybody with me i'm not saying confess right now but are you like like or we paid so much for the vehicles we pay so much for the clothes we acquire so much then there's so much anxiety and stress to keep it up yet in the middle of all of it we have these commands from jesus these beautiful invitations from jesus to not worry about tomorrow to focus only on today and he says this in Matthew 6, and it become, became Jess and I's core verse. It's engraved on the inside of our wedding bands. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's a promise. Does anybody here remember the old salty song, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I'm gonna teach it to you right now if I could just go to the piano. Um, can I have someone here? Samuel, can can come help me with this mic real quick? Thank you, let's give Samuel a hand. How come you guys don't clap that loud for me, man? It's just, come on. So, so I'm not a singer, but, but I wanna teach this to you guys and then bear with it. Can you just hold this? Thank you. If you know it, you gotta sing with me because I'm not gonna sing very loud. So once, you, uh, once you've got it, sing it with me. But this is, every time we notice the time is 6.33, my wife sings this song. I wish she was in the room right now. I would have her sing it. Here we go. Let me just get my bearings, hold on. Here we go. Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. There you go. And his righteousness. And all these things. And all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, let's sing it again. Seek ye first. Here we go. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Allelu, allelu. So thank you, Samuel. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> That's Graceland youth getting ready for some big four square tournaments tonight and kickball going on. It's going gonna, it's gonna uh, to be crazy. So every time it's 633, my wife sings that. I try to sing with her. And it's a reminder of her invitation to do something that we're going to talk about today. And that is to step into a new relationship with money. So we're in this series, Navigating Relationships. I'm gonna do a very short message today. We've talked about a new relationship with God, because when we're in Christ, we have a new relationship with God. We have a new relationship with ourselves. We talked about that last week. Next week, we're gonna talk about a new relationship with others, um, because next week, our our elementary students are gonna be in the service with us. Jessica will be in here, and she asked me to save that one till next week uh, so that we can talk to the kids about how God calls us to treat one another. And today, we're gonna talk about a new relationship with money. So in Christ, You are to enter a new relationship with money. A lot of people think the Bible doesn't talk about money, but it talks about it a lot. Actually, it talks about money more than heaven and hell combined in the whole Bible. There's over 2,300 verses about money. The themes of scripture are redemption, and stewardship. John Ortberg, who's a great author, says, why would there be twice as many verses on money than faith and prayer in the scripture? The reason is not because it's all about money, but because money can have such a hold on us. And we're gonna talk about it today in probably a unique way that you've possibly never heard in church, but it's totally biblical and we're gonna frame it around this scripture, I'm sorry, this quote from John Wesley and then we're gonna look at the scripture. John Wesley said it this way, having first gained all you can and secondly saved all you can, then give all you can. I share some version of this message every week, just to, I'm sorry, every year, just to be teaching stewardship to our church. So you might've heard some of this, but look at this really surprising story that Jesus told in Luke 1 through 13. We're reading out of the message. Jesus said to his disciples, and this is under the category of number one, gain all you can, that's your first fill in. Jesus said to his disciples, there was once a rich man who had a manager. He got reports that the manager had been taking advantage of his position by running up huge personal expenses. So he called him and said, what's this I hear about you? You're fired. All I hear is Donald Trump's voice when I read that. You're fired. (laughs) And I want a complete audit of your books. The manager said to himself, what am I going to do? I've lost my job as manager. I'm not strong enough for a laboring job and I'm too proud to beg. I've got a plan, here's what I'll do. Then when I'm turned out into the street, people will take me into their houses. Then he went at it, one after another. He called in the people who were in debt to his master. He said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He replied, 100 jugs of olive oil. The manager said, here, take your bill, sit down quick now, write 50. In other words, he told him to lie. To the next he said, And you, what do you owe? He answered, a hundred sacks of wheat. He said, take your bill, write in 80. And now here's the surprise. Remember, Jesus is telling this story. The master praised the crooked manager. And why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. And Jesus says, I want you to be smart in this same way, but for what is right, using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials so you'll live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. So Jesus, the risen one that we serve now is teaching us through this story, using an example of a dishonest employee who had been fired, not praising his dishonesty, but praising his craftiness his street smarts and his shrewdness. Now, to be really clear, the one thing Jesus does not endorse is his dishonesty. In fact, it goes on to say, Jesus went on to make these comments. If you're honest in small things, you'll be honest in big things. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? No worker can serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God God and the bank. So one thing we need to get straight at the get-go, and it's a sub-point number number one, A, is we serve God, not money. It's just a clear command from the Lord. The problem is you might not think you serve money. None of us would probably put that language to it, but when we start getting money and feeling a sense of the security that it brings, we can start to make money our God by making it our entire security. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In fact, sometimes the people who have come into the, the most wealth that I know personally that I've pastored, sometimes they get more anxious when they become millionaires because they are riddled with anxiety about having to maintain it, right? Money is not the solution. If we serve money, our hearts will never be free before the Lord because we are called to serve God. And then in that context of not serving money, we are still meant to be those that learn how to work shrewdly to earn money. So that subpoint B is we work honestly but shrewdly in earning money. It is a good thing. It's part of God's call on your life to learn how to generate income. But it has to do with our heart posture and how we do it. In fact, number C, number C, letter C, clearly my head is just all over the place today. Letter C, we must never earn at the expense of others or your own soul. Listen to this cautionary true account of some of the world's most successful financial minds in 1928. It was the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Here's who was in the meeting, listen to this. It was the president of the largest utility company, the greatest wheat speculator, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, a member of the president's cabinet, the greatest bear in Wall Street, the president of the Bank of International Settlements, the head of the world's greatest monopoly. And together, these wealthy men controlled more wealth than there was in the entire US Treasury. So newspapers and articles have been pointing to them as success stories for years. 25 years later, let's look at where each one of them was. The president of the largest independent steel company, Charles Schwab, you may recognize his name, died broke insolvent on borrowed money. The greatest wheat speculator, Arthur Cutton, also insolvent. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney went to prison. The president of the, the member of the president's cabinet, Albert Fall went to prison and was pardoned so he could die at home. The greatest bear in Wall Street, Jesse Livermore, took his own life by suicide. The president of the Bank of International Settlements, Leon Frazier, took his own life by suicide. And the head of the world's greatest monopoly, Ivan Druger, committed suicide as well. They had all learned how to make money, but they had not learned actually how to live. So while Jesus praises the ability to earn money, we must never earn at the expense of others or our own soul. You must never earn at the expense of your health, your family, your neighbor, your spiritual walk with the Lord or your obedience to Lord. In fact, if your desire is to earn money so you can finally be at peace, it's the wrong motive. God wants to set you free from anxiety around money so you can earn faithfully as someone who's just following Jesus. Now, I'm not making light of those of you that are in tough financial situations. By the way, we would love to help you out if we can. I understand how that pressure can become so immense. So I don't make light of it. But I also want to say in the same breath that God wants your heart to be free. And it's, it's a sad state that oftentimes we feel at peace as long as our bank account is padded enough. But if that bank account were drained to a certain point, we'd be riddled with anxiety. So where is our trust in God? What are we really trusting, right? And I don't mean this to be a discouragement, but, but to get down to our hearts so that we can be free. So we are, we are called to gain but not so that it can be our God and not so that it's the expense of our own soul. And it leads to the second part of the quote, save all you can. That's number two. And I don't think John Wesley here means put it in the bank. I believe he means don't spend it frivolously. Don't just throw it away on vain entertainments. Now I'm for entertainment. I get it. I'm for rest. We can spend money on great meals, but, but I want to read you a quote that is like a slap across the face. Is that all right? Can I have your permission ahead of time? to read you a quote that is like a, a wonderful, beautiful slap across the face. It's by Charles, thank you, who said that? It's by Charles Wesley. He said, whenever you expend anything to please your taste or other senses, you pay so much for sensuality. When you lay out money to please your eye, you give so much for a stronger attachment to these pleasures which perish in the using. While you are purchasing anything for the admiration of men, you are purchasing more vanity. Have you not then enough of vanity, sensuality, and perishing? Was there need of any addition? And would you pay for it too? What manner of wisdom is this? Would not literally throwing your money into the sea be a less mischievous folly? That's a hard hitter, isn't it? (laughs) We'll talk about it later at youth. (laughs) Now, let me be clear again. We have to have shelter. It's not bad to have a home that looks beautiful, right? It's not bad to have a vehicle that works. It's not bad to care about fashion to a healthy degree, but there's a point where we really go over a line. And there's a point when we have to be honest with ourselves: Are we purchasing for our own vanity and therefore misusing funds that have been entrusted to us by God? How much more could we do with the resources we have to serve, to bless, to care for those in our community and all around the world if we had a healthier, healthier approach to these boundaries? And then it leads to give all you can. Gain. Save and give all you can. Gaining all you can and saving all you can is null and void without the third step, which is giving all you can. And the sub point there, and it's the last fill in on your notes is this. There's a difference between obedience and generosity. And so I wanna look at obedience with giving, what the scripture says. And I'm gonna just teach it really plainly, what I believe is here, for your own sake and your discipleship before the Lord. Proverbs 3, verse one, it'll be on screen. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And this proverb right here sums up beautifully a principle that is seen all throughout scripture and is truly a principle of the kingdom of God. And it says, with everything we have, possessions means our substance or our wealth. Everything we have, everything. God, the scripture teaches us, honor the Lord with that. And then it says, with the first fruits of all your increase. And that's speaking to a concept in scripture called tithing. And in the Old Testament, they didn't only tithe their income, but they tithed off their crops. They tithed any increase that they had. And God commanded them to bring that first 10% as an offering to the Lord into the house of God. And I believe it's fully affirmed in the New Testament by Jesus, but we understand it in a deeper level. So I'm just going to talk really plainly to you. Bringing 10% of everything we make, every increase I believe is a command from God. I just wanna say it plainly. And I know that pastors and, and sometimes like, you know, we've seen people on TV and I don't know their hearts, but I know pastors can sometimes seem like they're just trying to get your money. And I'm sorry for that. And I just wanna say, if you're uncomfortable giving here, start tithing somewhere else. I want it for you as a part of your discipleship before the Lord. Now hear me plainly, I also want it for our house, meaning I want our leaders and the people that call this home to be living obedient lives financially before God so that we can walk in that full blessing of God. Anybody with me? I want us to be invested into what God is doing here. And I believe that God has given everything we need for us to do everything we're called to do, it's already here in our church family. And and part of that is tithing. Now look at, look at the promise here. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Your barns just means your storehouse. This is basically saying, seek first his kingdom and righteousness and he will add all these things unto you as well. So you're not meant to be a chaser of money first so that you can be secure. You're meant to be a chaser of God and then the, the provision of God chases you. See the big difference there? And we're not meant to be reaching up for more money as if we need it like it's our God. We're meant to be reaching up for God as we earn money and it is beneath us so that we can use it for the purposes of God in the world. It's these different postures. And by the way, your, your, your barn's being full and your vats overflowing, I'm gonna talk about, it. I believe it's a promise. It doesn't necessarily mean that as soon as you tithe, you're gonna make five times that the next year. It might mean that, I don't know. But it might also mean you're gonna all of a sudden have peace in your finances. It might also mean you're not gonna be riddled with anxiety and fear because you're welcoming the the blessing of God in a posture of obedience. And that's my prayer for you. So I'm not into all these silly, like genie in a bottle type things, but I'm all about obedience before the Lord, right? And he's after our hearts. He wants everything in the world and beyond is the Lord's. He can take care of us. And like the song says, his way is better. You might be the person today who's actually earned a lot of money, but you still have no peace. How amazing. You have, you have all this stuff, yet there is no actual peace in your finances, even though you've padded the accounts up to here, bought this, bought this, bought that, bought that. It doesn't work. It is not the answer. It is not the solution. So this principle is part of what God gives us to protect us from the deception and the love of money. And by the way, generosity, I believe, comes after tithing tithing is obedience. Generosity is above and beyond. What my wife and I try to do is increase our tithe every year and increase what we're doing above that every year in a sense of generosity, and then be open to things that the Lord might just prompt us for that we don't even see coming. But but look at this promise. Your vats will overflow with new wine. That's talking about putting grapes in a vat, like just imagine like a case here on the ground that you put grapes in and the grapes get stomped until it turns into the juice, which is eventually gonna become wine. And however many grapes you put in, once it turns into juice, there's no way it could overflow because you've put in enough grapes just for this vat. You know what I'm talking about? It's just simple science. But this says your vats will overflow, which means, and I believe all through scripture, this is the promise, when we're obedient before God and when we're saying yes to him based on his mercy and grace, we, we welcome the supernatural into our life. It's supernatural overflow. It is things we don't understand. Like, like you might still be broke for a while, but my goodness, you're walking in the peace of God. You're being generous with others. You have faith and hope about your future. Come on, supernatural. God might call you to give something away when it feels like the last moment you could give something away, supernatural. God might, in fact, James shared the testimony recently about about trusting God with tithe. And right after he gave it, he got a job that was 10 times the amount of the tithe. That was two weeks ago. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. It happened for James. That has never happened for me. (laughs) Once. (laughs) So don't raise your hand, but let me just ask you, I want you to answer this in your own heart. Do you want the supernatural work of God in your life? Do you want what only he can do? Well, then you have to make room for him in your finances. And it's hard, that's why scripture talks about it a lot. It gets down to the nitty and the gritty. All throughout scripture, we see this theme and it all comes back to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness so that all these things will be added unto us. So my prayer, is that we can be a church that gains all we can with what God has given us. Which by the way, I am in a position to not only steward my personal finances, but our church finances, along with our board. Lauren, our treasurer is here. We have a great board. We have a staff. We have a leadership team. And and we have been entrusted with a large amount of land, as you guys know. So part of our stewardship of that land is to gain everything we can through that. Steward it for the sake of the kingdom. That's why we take that seriously. You guys tracking with me on that? That's why it's a matter of stewardship before us. And then at the same time, save all we can as a church. Let's not spend frivolously. Let's not go crazy over here, over there. And then give all we can. I'm hopeful for the day that we can give away more annually than our entire income for our general budget. I'm pretty convinced that's gonna happen here because we are a wealthy uh, um, County, as you guys know, and God has called us to steward that wealth for the kingdom. Not only is it gonna happen because we're gonna have deals with our land that are bringing in money above and beyond our general budget, but it's gonna happen because you, our church, me, our church, are going to give so obedient and sacrificially before the Lord that we're gonna have more money going to missions than we have in our general budget every year. I believe that's gonna happen. I feel like God has has impressed this on us. It starts with simple obedience between you in the Lord. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. We're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask God's blessing on your obedience before him. And we're gonna do a couple of fun things here to close. So if you'll close your eyes, bow your hearts with me. Lord, you know everything. You know when we sit, when we rise. You know where we're at financially. (laughs) You, You know what's burdening us. You know the debt we have. You know the needs we have, you know our goals, you know our dreams, you know our church's goals and dreams. You know the areas when we're just up at night because we don't know what to do. You, you know even the dishonest areas. There's, there's probably some here that, the, that God's just calling you to repent, that he has not called us to steal. There's no cutting corners for us as Christians. If you lead a business or if you, If you have angles in your life where you can cut corners, I just invite you to repent of that before the Lord. Or maybe you've just held your your money like like a tight fist and you just, you think it's who you are. And and God's just saying, I want you to open up your hand and I I want you to invite in my ways, the better ways of God, the, the blessing of God. If that's you, I invite you to repent of it. Say, Lord, I wanna go your way. More importantly, maybe you're here, and we've had a lot of prayer this morning, I know, and I'm so thankful for that. But if you just don't even know if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to to pray this right now in your heart. Jesus, I want to know you. I hear about this new relationship. I hear about this new identity, and I don't think I have it. So so I, I commit my life to you. I say, Jesus, come fully into my life. Spirit of God, come fully into my life. Forgive me where I've fallen short. I say yes to following you the rest of my days. My life is yours. Lead me in your ways. And As a church, I'd love to pray this prayer of obedience and generosity when it comes to our finances. If if you don't want to pray it, don't pray it in your heart. But I invite you to pray it. Lord, I repent of thinking that all my money is mine. (laughs) I repent of thinking that I'm self-made or that this comes from me or it's my blood, sweat, and tears that has led to this. I, I, I acknowledge and I confess that you. you're the one who gave me the ability to make money. You're the one who gives me my breath right now. You're the one who gives me my thinking capacity to make decisions and even find a job. You're the one who's given me everything as my creator. You're the one who's given me mercy when I needed it. You're the one who's still there even when I've been running from you. You're the one who is faithful even when I'm not, so Lord, I repent for trying to do money my own way. I want to have a new relationship with money. I want an entirely new approach. I want your way, your better way. So we say yes to it, God. And Lord, I pray your blessing on every person, God. I pray it will be overflowing blessing, like the scripture says, that their vats will overflow Guys, I'm telling you some of what God entrusts to you regarding resources is not even meant for you. It's seed that you're meant to invest elsewhere. It says this in scripture, there's stuff that God gives you that is meant to go straight through you to someone else. And God really started speaking to me about this with my young twenties. I felt like the Lord was like, Nathan, how can I bless you with the riches of heaven if every time you get a little bit of something, you cling to it and say mine? No, 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 it's open-handed before the Lord, guys. And he invites you into this kind, of, this kind of living. I think of it as diving headfirst into the river of God. It might be daunting. You might not know what's going to happen. That's okay. We live by faith, not by sight. So let's just sing this chorus our, as our response. Room. I will make room. Some special people to come up. Some of our pastors and ministers I want to honor before we close. Um, if Rob and Peggy Rates could come on up here to the front, and if Stephen and Heather Hule could come on up here to the front. And I think the Duncans, are they here? I think they left. Come on, church, give them a hand as they come. If you guys could just stand right here. October, we, we do something called Pastor Appreciation, and I did this in first service already. Uh, The Huleys gave me these back. Hey, Sarah, you can come up too. Um, Rob and Peggy, I already gave them there. So here you go. Jessica, we're gonna pray over next week when all the kids are in here. And the Duncans were here in first service too, our pastor Emeritus and his wife. But can we stand around the room and can we pray? Lord, thank you for the Huleys. Thank you for our recovery ministers. Lord, I know the heartbeat of the kingdom of God is is calling in those who feel like they've hit the end of their rope, calling in those who feel like they've exhausted every other avenue, calling those that feel like they have nowhere else to go. You said it in your scripture. You said, you said if, if the great and the powerful won't come, go out to the highways and the byways, get those that everyone else has looked over and bring them to the banquet table of the living God. That's our prayer. And we thank you for the Huleys who do this ministry week in and week out. who who get down into the weeds with people and walk with them and help them find freedom in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for Heather as our adult ministry pastor. We pray your blessing over her. We honor her. God, continue to use her powerfully in this role. We thank you for Rob Rates and his wife Peggy. We thank you that Rob serves as our pastoral care pastor. We thank you that he's visiting with people in moments of suffering, that he's locking arms with them, praying with them, that he's discipling. Thank you that both of these are intercessors really day in and day out, praying for this church family. We thank you for them and we honor them and we pray your blessing on them and the Duncans who are here this morning, we give you thanks for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, can we honor the Huleys, the Rateses, the Duncans, and my wife, Jessica. Come on, let's give them some honor in the house. Thank you, guys. You can grab your seats. So thankful. And I want you to know our church takes care of Jess and I and blesses us all the time. I know I'm a pastor here too, but this is my chance to just focus on them. So before I pray this benediction, our ushers are going to come forward with this new flow. We're trying the offering at the end. We're going to do the same thing uh, next week. No pressure for anyone to give at all. This is for our church family. Most of our church gives online anyway, but as the ushers come, uh, I'm just going to pray. And then we're going to close with this song one more time. And I'm going to pray this benediction over us. If you could, as they come, grab your welcome card. It looks like this. If you have one. Um, Two things on the top I want to point out. We have Fall Festival coming up November 11th. Come on, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. If you're not signed up to help with Fall Festival yet, please, on your way out, just put your name on the sign-up sheet. Bethany is overseeing that event for us. It's an amazing chance to build bridges with people in our community, inviting them into the family of God. And then we have Youth Convention coming up. Come on, where are my youth at? The Youth Convention registration page is live gracelandchurch.com slash yc for youth convention has all the details on there if you can't afford it parent let us know we have sponsorships available we want to bring all of our students out to this it's at the opryland uh resort and convention center we're gonna worship we're gonna pray we are gonna have fun it's gonna be great let me pray over this tithe and offering and then we're gonna sing this song again lord bless every dollar every penny that comes through this church that's given today that's given throughout the week online bless every person. I pray you'll provide for them. Everything they need is they seek your kingdom and your righteousness first. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Let me pray this over you. Then we'll be dismissed. Go now in peace for Christ has called you to live in peace among your brothers and sisters in Christ. Go now in courage for Christ has called you from the places of your life to be agents of redemption and partners in healing. Go now in joy and thanksgiving For Christ is our light. Go now as one body to love and serve the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you all. Have a great rest of your day.